Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Welcome all of you. Welcome those of you watching online. Please stand with me if you would, please. Hold your Bibles up high. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. And I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. I got to tell you all, I'm impressed. That's the loudest 930 has been in a long time. Well, I'm going to attempt something today that I have rarely ever attempted. Uh, It's one of those seasons and times where the world, I think, has a lot of questions. I think the church has more questions. And uh, I think that we have lacked a lot of answers, and I am in no way telling you today I have all the answers, but I spent one semester in my degree plan on uh, eschatology, which simply meant the study of end times. And an entire semester of that, I'm going to try to cram into about 40 minutes, which is impossible. So I'm going to try to highlight this because uh, all eyes are focused on the Middle East and Russia and Ukraine. Uh, So much going on in the world that uh, I think people are asking, okay, what's this all about? We haven't seen anything like this in a long time. And uh, the church world, that people who have been brought up in church and have heard words like rapture, tribulation, millennium, millennial uh, reign of Christ, which is a thousand years uh, of his reign. How does all of this play out? Uh, and some of you were here when I talked about the role of Judas and how the church has perceived Judas who betrayed Christ and, and we've placed him in this unique box of what a horrible person he was. And yet prophetically we knew how this would play out years before it ever did, thousands of years, that Christ would be sent and uh, that he would uh, crush the head of the serpent, his heel would be bruised. That person became Christ. That's what was prophesied that would happen. And he became Christ to us and Jesus, the Son of God. And so now we're looking at the unfolding, I believe, of biblical prophecy. At what point uh, in history where we might be, I don't know. But I do know this, that if today I stood up here and I said, you know, one month from today, this is what's going to happen. One month from today, on November whatever, Jesus is going to return. I can promise you this. Every church in America and around the world would be filled for the next month. Now, please, I'm not going to try to scare anybody. I don't want to scare anybody because let me just tell you, it's not a scary situation. It's actually a situation that if we really look at it, you get to heaven and people in heaven right now, trust me, They're not looking at you. My dad is not looking down at me going, I miss Mark. Matter of fact, he doesn't even realize there is a Mark. 
He's in glory with Jesus. And trust me, there is not a place up there. The Bible says there will be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more suffering. If somebody in heaven looked down on earth, there would be a lot of tears, a lot of pain, and a lot of suffering. So I can promise you those who have gone on before us are not suffering right now. And if you're worried about them seeing you in the shower, that's not happening. So the reality is that we are in a, a, a time of great questioning. Uh, if I could take you back to Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39, which I don't have time to do. Uh, it speaks of armies from the north invading Israel. This, they called it Gog and Magog. In modern day, we might call that Russia. We see all of this playing out. And I can't say that this is the time. I, that's not what I'm indicating. But I am saying this. Our complacency as a people will also lead to our delinquency as people. So if we become very complacent, say, you know, everything in the world, it's okay, it's all going to play out, we're not affected by it. And as Americans, we have not been affected by a lot of things that have happened in the world. Obviously, 9-11 greatly affected, impacted us in a way like very few things have impacted us. And I believe momentarily it actually uh, awakened our country and the church quite a bit because it was on our soil. Right now it's not happening on our soil. So we're a little removed and maybe some of you aren't even following the, the conflict and the wars going on. I'm following it all the time. I have some friends who are like Jewish scholars that I've been trying to extract information from, what's really going on, and trying to... I, I never really thought I would preach this message because I thought, you know, this is not a message that, you know, if I could... If I advertise 10 ways to get wealth, I'd have about twice as many people here. So I kind of slipped this one up on you because I, I, when I prepared this series ahead of time, I told my wife, I said, you know, I think I'm going to do a series on time. Well, my initial thought was I'm going to talk about how to use time, how to waste time, how to invest time, and all of those really fun things. And then all of a sudden I started studying and I literally had to pull myself away from this because I was digging into it and my whole semester was, well, you've heard of the rapture, which, by the way, the word rapture is nowhere in the Bible. It's not anywhere in the Bible. We use that word, but it's not there. In Thessalonians, it says we shall be caught up with Christ in the air when he returns. That means that we will meet him in the air. And uh, some theologians believe that, that it will be like a fish hook. We will go up, meet Christ, and then we will ascend to heaven with him. Others have said, we believe it's a reverse hook that will be caught up in the air with him, but we will return, and then there will be the millennial reign of a thousand years. Now, all of this is great speculation. Even by the greatest theologians, they disagree on how this might play out. So I, I have a lot of liberty here because there's a lot of disagreement amongst people a lot smarter than me. So let me just attempt to, to, to make this work. In 1948... Israel became a nation. And after David, after the reign of David and Solomon in the Old Testament, Israel, or the 12 tribes, were separated. Israel and 10 tribes of Israel took the northern part of what is now Israel, the, the, the country, the nation. Judah took the southern part of Israel along with the tribe of Benjamin. So there was a divided group even then. But in 1948, it was all solidified 
that Israel became one people again. That means there was no longer a southern part Judah, northern part Israel. It became all of Israel, and Jerusalem is now the capital of all of Israel. And so 43% of all Jews today live in Israel. So what's the significance of that? Well, when you only have 57% that are dispersed all around the world, where do you think the greatest target would be? It would be Israel, where 43% of Jews reside. So the attack that what we need to understand is at one point, Israel occupied Palestine. They occupied Samaria. Thus, the hate in the New Testament between the Samaritan woman and the Samaritans and the Jews. They, even in the New Testament, there was great animosity between these two people groups. So now you wonder why Palestine hates Israel so much because Israel once occupied Palestine. And so we have this long-running conflict between these people groups. And I will say this, and I will say it boldly without any apology. If you are anti-Semitic and you in any way oppose Israel, you are the craziest human being on earth. You need to understand the importance of this, and I'll show you in a moment. We wonder why, well, you know, maybe it's Israel's fault. Maybe I want to say this to you. Please understand the severity of people like one of our public representative crazy woman in Congress. You need to understand, this is not a time. There is no middle ground here. Well, you know, I'm not for either side. You need to get on the side of Israel, and you need to stay on the side of Israel. You need to never move from the side of Israel. And because you will be convinced that what happened in Gaza, that, that it was Israel that blew up the hospital, when in reality it was, it was a, a, a missile in the Gaza Strip that actually blew that up. But the media is going to tell you that Israel is the cruel nation that did it, and they're not. So, see, there's a lot of propaganda out there because they hate the Jewish people. And I, for one, love the Jewish people. I've been there. I went there. I stood there in places where Jesus was. And I've talked to all the, just everybody I could talk to over there long before this ever happened. And they have one of the most incredible militaries in the world. So don't think for a minute this is going to end with Israel losing because it's not. But there are a lot of lives lost and, and we, we hate that. So the question is, if in fact this were close to that time, uh, there are several schools of thought. There are people who are pre-tribulation, which the question is, what happens to the church? What happens to Christians? Uh, it, when the tribulation happens, which is seven years of chaos, but according to the book of Daniel, it only halfway through will be chaos. The first half of the, the tribulation will appear calm. And then the second half of the tribulation is when all the chaos breaks through out, out of that seven years. So three and a half years, not bad. Three, the last three and a half years, chaos. So then you have to ask, do we go up ahead of the chaos well, the Bible says that we would not be tempted beyond what we could bear. So it's going to be pretty unbearable. So I've always been pre-tribulation. Why not? doesn't cost anymore. You know, I'm not going through that. Christ will take the church up. We'll be caught up with him in the air. Chaos will happen. But then we have to deal with a thousand years. Where there's, there's premillennial, amillennial, postmillennial. So during the premillennial, 
that the, the position is that those who remain will reign with Christ on earth. The devil will be thrown into the pit, thousand years of peace. But then there's also the thought in amillennialism that there will be a coexistence of those who have uh, already been redeemed. They've already been caught with Christ. And then there will be those that remain that they call it regeneration or reproduction. That during that, that time there will be people that will repent and come to Christ. And they will replenish the earth, reproduce if you will, uh, and more people will come to him. The Bible says it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God is doing everything he can to bring a world to repentance. He loves all people. He loves the people in Gaza, the Palestinians. He loves all people. This is not a question about God's love. This is a question about humankind's love toward God. And so we have this battle going on. So in 1949, it was called the Armistice Agreements in order to calm down the violence. But Iraq, I believe it was, or Iran and Saudi Arabia refused to sign that treaty, that agreement to stop all of the wars going on in that region of the world. So now, long introduction. Zechariah chapter 12. Now, this will tell you why you want to be on the side of Israel, a prophetic word from a minor prophet in the Old Testament. This message, this is out of the New Living Translation, this message concerning the fate of Israel came from the Lord. This message is from the Lord who stretched out the heavens, laid the foundations of the earth, and formed the human spirit. I will make Jerusalem like an intoxicating drink, that makes the nearby nations stagger when they send their armies to besiege Jerusalem and Judah. On that day, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock. All the nations will gather against it to try to move it, but they will only hurt themselves. Meditate on that a moment. These nations that are coming against Israel, and Zechariah calls Israel an immovable rock. All the nations will gather against it to try to move it, but they will only hurt themselves. On that day, says the Lord, I will cause every horse to panic, every rider to lose his nerve. I will watch over the people of Judah, which, now remember... They're the people of Israel. They just occupied. It was the tribe of Judah and Benjamin on the southern part of Israel. And at that time, Jerusalem was its capital. But now Jerusalem is the capital of all of Israel. But I will blind all the horses of their enemies. And the clans of Judah will say to themselves, The people of Jerusalem have found strength in the Lord of the heavenly armies, their God. On that day, I will make the clans of Judah like a flame that sets a woodpile ablaze, or like a burning torch among sheaves of grain. They will burn up all the neighboring nations right and left, while the people living in Jerusalem remain secure. The Lord will give victory to the rest of Judah first, before Jerusalem, so that the people of Jerusalem and the royal line of David will not have greater honor than the rest of Judah." On that day, the Lord will defend the people of Jerusalem, and the weakest among them will be as mighty as King David. And the royal descendants 
will be like God, like the angel of the Lord who goes before them. For on that day I will begin to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. So you wonder why it's been so important to have a president that supports Israel. The great debate when Obama was in office was how much support would we give to Israel. That, that concern has continued. I understand our current president has come out in support of Israel, which is the smartest thing Joe Biden has ever done in his presidency. Now, before you get mad at me, just stop. I'm just proclaiming what's already been proclaimed. This is not a political sermon. This is an actual sermon that needs to be preached in every church around the world, in my opinion. Because we have danced around things that we can no, dan no longer dance around. We have to face these and confront these. I want to dispel fear today. I don't want to inflict. I want to expel it. I don't want there to be any fear. And, and how many of you know that sometimes the reason we fear is because we don't know. We're ignorant. Maybe you've never been on an airplane. You're afraid to fly. You get on one. You have a great flight. You start overcoming fear because you face your fear. And you realize there was nothing to be fearful of at all. And so we've got to confront that and we have to face that fear. Now in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 24 kind of addresses this again. It says, Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I'm the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and what? Rumors of wars? But see to it that you are not alarmed. Love Jesus, man. Because he's, he's saying this is what's going to happen. Hey, hey, don't worry. In other words, Jesus is saying, I got this. I got this. Just trust me. I got this. See, I used to when somebody, I would have, man, when I first got born again, I'd already been in the bathroom on this one. I would have been in the parking lot because I, I, it, was, it was to instill fear. That's not what this is about. I don't want you to be fearful. I want you to know God's got this. God's got this. Such things must happen, but the end is still not to come. Nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. Now, the reason I kind of like this is because I think sometimes there's a false sense of security that we possess, a false sense. Then there's real security, and that real security means that no matter what happens to me, there will not be any fear because God's got me. He's got me. You know, the, the, the thing that we have to, this is temporary, okay? All of this is temporary. That's all it is, Temporary. And as wonderful as it is, as great as it is, listen to this. Lost people today, the, the closest right now, this is as close as lost people will ever get to heaven. And for saved people, this is as close as we will ever get to hell. So all we have to do is look and say, I'm saved. This is as close to hell as I'm ever going to get. And you say, well, this is pretty good. This is as close to hell as you're ever going to get. But if you're lost, 
Enjoy your moment because this is as close to heaven as you're ever going to be. So we just have to think about things multidimensional instead of one-dimensional and getting trapped by fear, getting trapped by unhealthy thinking. See, the, the, the reality is no matter what happens, God's got this. And if you're really like saved to the bone... None of this really, what bothers me is I hate seeing people hurt. I hate seeing people killed. I don't care what you are. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what your nationality. I hate it because it was never the plan of God in, in the beginning. That's how come it was called the Garden of Eden. It was a place of bliss. There were no Nordstrom's racks. There were no shopping. God's plan was that we would never have to be clothed. What an incredible plan. You see, you don't talk about this in church, but think about it. They, they, Adam and Eve just strutted around. And, and so all of a sudden, we, we had this beautiful, plush, wonderful place, and that was God's intention. And then the serpent came in and interfered and interrupted it all. And so now we're dealing with that to this day. And it goes on to say, all these are the being of birth pains. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted, put to death, and be hated by nations while causing me. At that time... Many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. What have we seen? There is so much hate in the world. Look, this, this is so much deeper than the color of skin. This is the impurity of heart. That we could dare hate anybody. Just because somebody is a different color, somebody weighs less, somebody's tall, somebody's short. We have all these reasons. I don't like to what you dress. I mean, I don't understand the dress code of this generation. I mean, every now and then you look at, you look at young teenagers and they got half their hairs pink and half purple. They got piercings. I mean, I'm surprised when they drink water, they don't leak. And it's very easy to judge them. Some of you have, I, I mean, some of y'all have kids like that. I got kids like that. And, and I'm old enough to look and go, man, that's hard for me to see. But the reality is I'm looking at the wrong thing. God told us we look on the outside, but he looks on the heart. There are some janky looking people out there that love Jesus more than we do. But they're judged because we're looking at the outside, not the inside. We got to stop looking at the outside. We got to look at the heart of people. And even then, if we see something filthy, we don't judge it. We pray for it. We love the filth out of us. You see, if, if you hate Israel today, it's the same as being racist. We call it, you know, the, the people that are anti Semitical, it's racism. You don't like them just because they have beautiful olive skin. And they're Jewish. Man, we're standing up. I'll fight for them. I told my wife, I said, if you weren't here, I'd probably go sign up for the army and die for the cause. I mean, that's my love for God's people. Now, I'm adopted. I'm grafted. I wasn't born a Jew, but I've been grafted into the vine. We as Christians have been grafted into the vine. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness. The love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And listen to this. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. 
and then the end will come. Now, please listen to this. When I was studying eschatology, this one verse saved my life. He said, the gospel will be preached to everyone. Why is church so important? Why do you think the church is under attack? Because when we can preach the gospel now through television, through internet, around the world, this gospel's traveling fast. And the goal here is to get the good news to every human being, no matter where they're from, every tribe, every nation, every tongue. A friend of mine's father was a missionary in the Amazon. He was killed by a tribe of people that had never been reached. They speared him and the two other men. I met him, and he was so convicted, he lost his father at a young age. But he never lost his love for the people that killed his father. So he flew into Oklahoma City and asked me to come and see what he was doing. They couldn't fly a plane into the Amazon, so he created a thing called a powered parachute. Some of you have probably seen them. And what we did was we invested in building powered parachutes to fly into the Amazon He literally led the guy that killed his father to the Lord. I met him. And and so he never allowed hate to get in his heart. You see, the battle here is for the soul of all mankind. The devil hates it that Jesus died for everybody. And he doesn't want everybody to know. And by nature, our human nature, we're self-centered, we're selfish. But we have to maintain a love for God, and we have to maintain a love for all people. Now, there's a human side of me that has a side that I really want to stand on. But it's still terrible, I can assure you, that Israel is taking no pleasure in having to defend itself and kill innocent people. That is not something that they're happy about. But they have to defend their people, also known as God's people. Okay, so watching these events unfold worldwide, the only true security anyone can have is knowing his or her name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, found in the book of Revelation. The millennial reign is found in, in Revelation chapter 20. If you really ever want to pursue this, go to Ezekiel 38, 39. You can also go to Zechariah 12. There are so many things that lead up to this. The Persian Gulf conflict was not the apocalyptic event many predicted, but it did start lots of people thinking about the fact that events do appear to be moving steadily in the direction of the time in which we're living, which many people would call the end times. Now, again, please don't be afraid. This is not to scare you, but this is to let you know that when events start unfolding, and biblical prophecy becomes more and more aware and obvious, then it's really time to say, how committed am I to what Christ is committed to? The most disturbing thing at my age, now that I'm not that young anymore, I think when I first started pastoring, the idea was I want to talk to as many people as I can, want to build a great church. Uh, That is no longer my goal or aspiration. My goal now is to reach as many people as I can reach wherever they are. Because that's what is important to all of us. Putting aside the calculations and calendars to examine recent world events, trends, and conditions, four global megatrends that coincide with biblical prophecy. Now, write these down if you want to. First off, 
and you'll get this, some of you already into this. There is the move toward global economy visible when changing conditions in Germany or Japan affect Wall Street within hours. Now get this, what do you think Bitcoin is all about? It would become a world currency exchanged digitally, not hand-to-hand, but digital exchange. Now, is that a bad thing? Didn't say it was a bad thing. I'm just saying it's one of those things that we've been talking about a one-world currency for a long time. That's been the battle, if you've watched the news at all. Now, with that said, please don't miss this. It goes from digital. Now, I grew up with a mother who was old school, and, and she, she, from the time I was old enough to understand, she was a saintly woman. Now, she had her issues like everybody else, but she would look at me and she'd say, Son, never take the mark. Why'd you name me Mark? I have to take Mark every day. Never take the mark. And I thought, wow, that's just going to be so weird that how does that work? And back in the day, we thought they would like put an indelible print, a stamp on your forehead or your hand. That's what it said in the Bible. They'd be on your forehead or your hand. Well, now we live in a digital age. And I recently read that there is a corporation somewhere in the north. I don't remember if it's Minnesota or Michigan or where. But think about this. A lot of you work in big corporations where you'll have a tag or a pass and you scan it getting in or you have to show it to get in. It's a little bit of a pain because you can lose it and all that. This one corporation decided that they would chip all of their employees. So they put a chip in the employees in order to go through the gate to get to their job that scans. They never have to show anything because it's in their skin. Kind of freaky, huh? But everything is leading up to that moment to where <clears throat> you, uh, you won't have to carry anything again because it's all right there. Now, uh, I used to travel through Dubai on, a lot. And so just recently in Dubai, they've, they've come up with this way. And I still don't know how this works. But you can walk into a grocery store. You do your shopping. You put everything in the basket. You bag it up and you leave and you never pay. Because they've already got your card scanned in. And when you walk out, they know every item you've bought. Now, this is real because I was there. Now, what I'm telling you is, the reason I'm saying this is the church and the people of our society have fallen asleep to a large degree because we don't want to have to deal with the thought of what's going on. Now, as a pastor, I feel it's part of my job to educate and inform. My natural gift is to inspire and motivate. I'm not sure this is doing either one of those right now. But, but I felt like I told Susan, I said, when I, I started studying this, I couldn't get out of it. I did not want to preach this today. And if I didn't say it earlier, I was thinking it. When they filmed Star Wars, they filmed like six episodes. Guess where they started? They started with episode four. So you get Star Wars, episode four, and you're going, okay, this is, you're putting everything together. And then all of a sudden you find out they haven't showed one, two, and three yet. So they start in the middle, and then they take you back to the first episode, which freaked me out. It kind of came together. So what I'm doing is starting kind of a, a latter episode, and hopefully next week I will take you back to an episode that will make you understand why this episode exists. Because... The reality is what we do with the time we have now affects the end time that we're going to see. 
So it's better to know what I'm looking for. In other words, I'm pointing out not the disastrous part, but the reward part of if we spend our time wisely now, the end time doesn't really matter because we're not afraid of it. Live every day to the full. Don't worry about it. Now, when I say don't worry about it, it doesn't mean we're not involved with it because we are involved to the degree that we're willing to stand with Israel, pray for Israel, and be a people that believes. Second megatrend is the rise of a united Europe, the European Union. That's why when all of this Brexit and all of this thing's going on, it's so much more important than just a government transition. It's literally a part of prophetic the biblical prophecy that Europe and the European Union, with the disintegration of the Soviet Union and the demise of the Warsaw Pact, European unity is finally possible. European economic boundaries have been dissolved and a new military alliance is being formed. Number three, the isolation of Israel. Surrounding nations are becoming increasingly hostile with even the United States acting judgmental and less friendly. Now, not the total United States, but if... I won't mention names, but you can go read one recent congresswoman that bashed Israel. Well, she represents a part of America. And, and, and you can, I, I'm going to walk on thin ice and I really don't care. Because I'm tired of the church being silent about evil happening in front of our very face. The only thing necessary for evil to prosper is for good, and men, good men and women to do nothing. That's all evil needs to prosper is to keep us shut up, keep us not saying things. After all, you're Christians and you're a bunch of dumb people that believe in a man you've never seen. That's how the world perceives Christianity. And so their idea is that we are so incompetent and inept that we should just shut up when in reality we know more than they do. They know what they're creating. We know our creator. Last is the collapse of Marxism, and this was an interesting thought. In much of the world, with the People's Republic of China and North Korea being the last holdouts, China has recently taken a step toward a market economy by establishing a Chinese stock exchange, which has been established now for quite a long time. So, then I'm going to close with this scripture, and, and I, I understand... For some of you, this may be extremely boring. I'd love to apologize, but I feel very strongly that this is what I was to preach today. Because I want us to understand, when I think about church, and I look at this building, and I look at this auditorium, I look at our freedom to worship. And we've got all the, every time, Susan, and I, on our way to church, we drive down one of the most popular areas of our city. And I look, and people are out running and walking and jogging. And I'm not against any of that. But the reality is, there's no attention to the spirit man as much as there is the physical man. We have a fitness, and I love fitness. I love fitness. But we cannot become spiritually dwarfed and hope that we're going to live the life we want to live. I want people to be awakened to the need to worship God. To serve God. 
to love God, to be loved by God. We live in a day where church is just another option on the plate. It's just another option. Seven days a week, it's just an option. And I know that I'm getting old and there are articles being written about baby boomers and all that. I get that. But the reality is, folks, listen to me. Church and coming to church and serving God and worshiping God should never be an option. It should be the number one priority in our lives. People are getting in trouble and, 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 and they haven't served God. And I'm not mad. <coughs> I'm bothered. And when I get calls, can you help me? Would you? I need help. My marriage is in trouble. I've lost my job. And I, I, I just ask one question. What is your relationship with God like? Well, I, I don't go to church. I don't read my Bible. I don't, and I'm not even saying they're not Christians. That's not the point. Being a Christian, is, that's easy. Getting saved is easy. But experiencing the full power of God requires effort on our part to sacrifice, to serve, to bow, to walk in humility, to give Him some of our time. And I just look and I ask the question, I say, what are you doing? Because if you're not, I can't change you. Only you can take the information disseminated and use it to change yourself. But how can we expect God to be involved in our everyday life if we don't include Him in our everyday life? The Bible says pray without ceasing. Some people say, well, how often should I pray? All day. And I'm not saying King James, oh thou Lord most high God. Not talking about having some religious conversation. I'm talking about having a fluent soul relationship with God that every decision we make, whether we open our mouth or not, we're meditating and praying in our heart. I don't want to make this decision. And we all make mistakes. My biggest mistakes are when I don't include God. When I say, God, just, you know, I'm going to put you on the bench for a day, a week, a month. I got the game. No, you don't got the game. Now, beloved brothers and sisters, concerning the question of God's precise times and specific seasons, you don't need to write. You don't need me to write anything to you. For you already know quite well that the day of the Lord will come unexpectedly. And it's a complete surprise. For while some are saying, finally we have peace and security, sudden destruction will arrive at their doorstep like labor pains, seizing a pregnant woman and with no chance of escape. But you, beloved brothers and sisters, listen to this, are not living in the dark, allowing that day to creep up on you like a thief coming to steal. For you are all children of the light, children of the day. We don't belong to the night or darkness This is why we must not fall asleep as the rest do, but keep wide awake and clear-headed. I am deeply disturbed at a nation that goes to church, one, for popularity reasons, put on a good show, everything looks great, we got everything lined out. We got all the latest technology. That's why a lot of people go to church. It's a form of entertainment. I was a part of that entertainment for 20 years. I will no longer be a part of that entertainment. 
Granted, we have some fun little things. But one day I was praying when we had 13,000 at the State Fair Arena. I hired flying angels out of Las Vegas, a guy to come and teach us to fly. It was a show. That year, a 1,000 people got born again. And after that, God said, well, whatever you catch them with, that's what it'll take to keep them. And I thought, I can't spend that much money every day, nor that much time. It was a great attraction. But after 13,000 people the next Sunday, we went back to 6,000, 7,000 people. Oh, yeah, they come for, the, they come for the, the fireworks. But the day will come, and I believe it's today, that we're going to wake up and we're going to say, I'm going to serve the Lord and love Him with all of my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength. I'm going to get out of bed on Sunday. I'm going to be on church on Sunday. I'm going to serve on Sunday. I'm going to be a part of what God's doing on Sunday. I'm not going to lay around and go, yeah, I'm going to heaven. Yeah, but you'll pay hell getting there. Listen, man, church was not my idea. God had a whole lot to do with it. (laughs) And he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. I don't want to be outside the church. And I'm I'm going to meddle just for about another minute. I challenge you, I challenge you, I challenge you. To be awake and awaken other people. You are now God's walking alarm clock to a world. When I had a thousand teenagers, and part of the reason was I'd just scare the hell out of them. I thought, I'm going to awaken you young people. And I asked a question one time. I said, if somebody walked in here with a gun and they arrested you for being in a Christian place, would there be enough evidence in your life that you are a Christian to convict you? I want there to be enough evidence to put me in the chair. I don't want there to be a question, and if they ask me, yeah, I'm sold out, I've been bought with a price, I'm full of the Spirit, kill me if you must, is that enough evidence for you to take me out? Listen, we got to rise up and be bold. We can no longer claim to be a part of the army of God without wearing the uniform of God. And I'm not talking about clothes. I'm talking about heart. You need to go home and awaken your family, awaken your friends, and everywhere we go, we need to make sure that we are an alarm clock to a people that are falling asleep. And we're playing politics Washington, D.C. cannot fix the problem we have in our world today. Only God and only a move of God upon the people that are willing to be the people of God is going to change the trajectory of a fallen nation that used to be one nation under God. Now we're a divided nation. We have allowed Republicans and Democrats to take the place of God and God's house. They don't know what's going on. And I think you would agree unless you're sold out to some party. Challenge us. Challenge us. 
to be a voice crying in the wilderness. And this world is a wilderness that's lost. We've lost our way. Sunday's just another day. Just another day. When I was a kid, they had the blue law. You couldn't even be open on Sunday. If you had a business, you're shut down. Thank God for Hobby Lobby that said, forget all y'all. Our people are going to be able to go to church on Sunday. And they closed the doors. Thank God for Chick-fil-A. Every now and then I forget their clothes and I get mad when I drive by and I want one. Thank God that there are some people that decided Sunday is the Sabbath. It's a day where we set aside for families to come together and worship God. And if you've got a knucklehead at home that's refusing to get your booty out of bed, St. Mattress Cathedral is not going to help you. So if you thought, well, you know, I'm just going to chill out. Yeah. That's what happens. Let's pray. Father, thanks. I made it without getting shot. Lord, I thank you today that your patience exceeds anything we could imagine. But Lord, also your passion exceeds anything we can imagine. Lord, touch us with your passion to worship you. Touch us with your passion to love people. Touch us with your passion to tell people. Touch us with your passion to give our lives for the glory of you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, and those of you watching online right now, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And I want all of you to pray it like you did the Bible confession. Pray this with me. Say, Father God. Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin, and I declare today I am born again. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or to recommit your life, please text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Name, phone number. We'll pray for you, pray with you. And let me just tell you something. As a born-again Christian now, you have nothing to fear. God's got every part of you, not just your back. He surrounded you. The Bible says with favor as with a shield. In one translation, he's surrounded like a wall of fire around you. God's got you. God's got you. This time, I want to receive our tithes and offerings. Uh, just want to let you know how to give. As I don't want to talk you into giving. But I want to give you the opportunity to give. Uh, like I said, it's my, my role in life now is, is to simply inform. I don't want to manipulate. I don't want to do anything that would cause you to feel like you're less than if you don't give because you're not. That's not what this is about. This is not about, you know, people who give are greater than those who don't. That's not what this is about at all. But I want to open the door to you or let the Bible open the door to you how God blesses people. He told Abraham, I'll bless you so you can be a blessing. So first off, God doesn't just bless us so we can have more. He blesses us so we can help others have more. 
So that's number one. God wants to bless you. Number two, he said, if you'll do what I tell you, he said, there'll be more blessing than you can even contain. And so you may wonder why you are where you are and the condition you're in. Numerous different things to think about. But I challenge you to, to honor God's word, every part of it, not just giving, but forgiving and everything. So today, if you want to give, or any day for that matter, thank God for the digital uh, equipment that we have now to, to give. You can put your phone, smartphone, on the QR code behind me. It will lead you to the giving platform, or you can text the word GIVE to 405-546-2226. You can do that 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Set it on a credit card or debit card. It's real simple to do. Uh, again, that number is 405-546-2226. It will direct you how to set up your giving, or on the QR code, you can give on your way out. You can give by going to our website, mosaicokc.church forward slash give, or you can mail it to our office, 5821 Northwest Expressway, 73132. All right? If this is your first time here, we have a gift for you at the Welcome Kiosk. Please stop by and pick that up. Uh, also, uh, we've got uh, the gathering this Friday night. It's just time. If you haven't known anybody here, we just get together. We eat. We play bingo. We have fun. Uh, fellowship is a healthy thing for the body of Christ. And so it's from uh, 6 o'clock to about 7, 7.30. I think that's the right time. <laughs> it should be on our website. Anyway, 6 to 7.30 right here on Friday night. Um, a lot of things going on that, that we try to get people involved, engaged, to get to know other people. So uh, please make that a part of your life. Also, if you want to be on my weekly call on Wednesday night, uh, you can uh, also get on that by texting the word call to 405-500-1310. If you want to serve, same number, only serve. We'll send it to a different category. Put your name and number on, and one of our staff will call you, and we'll get you plugged into a parking lot, greeting, ushering, welcome, hospitality, whatever it is that uh, you want to be a part of, children's ministry, youth ministry, uh, whatever it might be. All right? I'm going to ask our prayer team to come to the left of the stage. If you need prayer for any reason at all, you say, I just need, I need help, I've been discouraged, I've been down, whatever. They don't counsel you, and they don't judge you. They simply pray for you. So please take time to come and have one of them pray with you and pray for you. Uh, it's worth your investment. Also, if you want to receive communion, you can take it by yourself, or one of our prayer team members will serve communion to you, your family. Uh, and that's remembering Christ. Every time we take communion, that's what we're saying. God, I remember the blood shed and the body broken for me. All right? Let's stand. We're going to go out with a shout of hallelujah on three. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.